Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. I'm glad to tell you that two more amazing people were baptized tonight in Jesus' name. Are we so thankful for that? Praise God. We're so happy. Katie and Nicole. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. And don't forget that this Saturday will be prayer at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. I'd love to see this many or more in prayer. And it's what God designed this place to be. Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Amen. I want you to lift your hands and ask God to speak to you tonight through his word. Would you do that? Lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to speak to me tonight through your word. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Matthew chapter 6, there are three specific disciplines that we find Jesus teaching his followers. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, reading with verse 1, and um, probably this chapter is one of the top chapters that I give people when they're trying to seek direction for their life that they need to do. And uh, how many want to be closer to God? And the basis for what I am teaching you tonight is when when the Bible says, John said, I must decrease for he must increase. I want everybody to say, I must decrease for he must increase. You will find that God will never increase in your life until you decrease in your life. It's just the principle. And what John was saying, I've got to get out of the way so he can do what he needs to do. And our biggest problem is not the devil. The devil is very weak. He's very weak. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil's weak. You got more power in your fingernail than he's got. Amen. We glorify the devil too much. Oh, I'd do this, but I'm going to have it. The devil might come again. Who cares? Just say in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. Amen. Get out of my house. He's got to go. Come on, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to flatter you. I'm telling you the truth. We're, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've got more power in me than every devil in the universe. There is more power. All I have to do is say, Jesus. Amen. I saw a devil-possessed person in this church one time. It was, it was attacking them. They, they really were. They were possessed. I've seen people that, that had other problems and people would have thought they were possessed. They were just had problems. But this person had a devil. And uh, it was self-inflicting them. And that voice would speak out of that woman with a deep voice. And uh, out of that to me. And it was, Brother Brian Duvall, I know that you remember that day. He's the one that motioned for me to come. And they were banging their head off the floor and off the wall. And that devil... They had given access to a spirit. I, I know it's spooky to talk about. People don't talk about church anymore. You sit overseas a lot, but it's still real. People can become possessed. 
you can be, you can be oppressed and you can be possessed. It, she had given access to that spirit into her life and it, it, was, it was ruling her. And that spirit, you know, I, I don't think everybody has a problem, has a devil, but she had one. And finally, and they took her in. When they picked her up to carry her because she was banging her head against the, the floor, when your brother Adam picked her up, it was as if she was on a plank. She was in her 60s. Now, hardly any of you could be straight like that. Like she's on a plank. I said, take her in the men's prayer room. When I went in there, man, I felt the holy boldness come over me. And uh, I just looked at her. And I finally, I mean, she, it was terrible. Brother Melik, you were there. I finally said, look at me. And when I did, that spirit had to have made me. Fasten that face just straight ahead to me. I said, go. When I said, go, she relaxed just like that. Instantly delivered. Instantly delivered of a spirit. Amen. I didn't have to take four Sundays of... I just spoke the word. Let me tell you something. There are times in your life that what you're dealing with is a spirit coming to your life. You have power over every spirit. And you just say, in the name of Jesus, get away from my life. How many believe there's power in that? Can you say amen? And so uh, um, Matthew chapter 6, it says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, Take heed, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them otherwise ye have no reward of your father which is in heaven alms is giving to the poor is giving you're blessing someone else and the true blessing of God is when God takes care of your needs and you have enough to bless somebody else that can't help themselves I mean no that's the blessing of God the greatest privilege is really to be able to one of the greatest privileges of life is to be able to give therefore when thou doest thine alms do not sound a trumpet <laughs> just sounds funny doesn't it you know <laughs> Be seated. I'm just going to take off here. Yeah. You know, just, just, just stay with me tonight as we go through the scripture. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites on, in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. He's saying, can you imagine that? You know, you're getting ready to give and you blow a trumpet so everybody get their attention and then you give, you know. And uh, it's like walking down to bless somebody and you take your cell phone and selfie yourself blessing somebody. And put, oh, I just love the ministry of the Lord. It's an amazing opportunity. Letting the whole world know that you're giving. And he's, he's saying do it in secret. And because if somebody glorifies you for something that you want attention for, then you're not going to get the reward of your Father which is in heaven. But give in secret. I mean, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing just given secret. And he goes on and talks about this. And verse 5, it says this. It says, and when thou prayest. I have a question for you tonight. Do you pray? You can go to church and not pray. You can teach Sunday school and not pray. You can preach and not pray. Uh, you can. It's not right, but you can get into that. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. What's a synagogue? It's a... It's a building for Jews, like a church is for Christians. Just another word for where you gather. And in the corners of the streets that they may be what? Seen the men, are you following along? Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. If you pray to be heard of men, to be heard of men only, so people say, oh, he's, he's a righteous man. Did you hear him pray? We're not praying for people to hear us. We're praying for God to hear us. 
Does it make sense? And he said, if people, if you're seeking the reward of men, then you've got your reward, but you're not going to be a reward of heaven. Verse 6 says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. I used to picture my, co- my closet, literal closet, but that's not talking about your clothes closet, you know. All you ladies got to move out 57 pair of shoes out of the way, you know, and uh, 17 purses and, and all these hats you've got in there. And, and uh, uh, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't keep my mouth shut here. But, and all the men and all their stuff. But you got to, it's not a closet. It's not talking about your clothes closet. It's not talking about the broom closet. It's talking about a closed in place. It's talking about a place separate from anybody else. That's what God designed. What God's design was is for you to have a personal relationship with him, not just through someone. Some people only go pray, talk to God through a preacher or through the priest. Or, uh, oh, I, you know, I, I talked a few weeks ago about the man that was on the plane, and he, he would carry a picture of a saint with him, and he would pray to a saint to talk to God. And I said, why do you do that? He said, because I'm not worthy to talk to God. That's not biblical. When he died at the cross, the things that separated you from him, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. It gave each and every one of you in this building complete and total access to God himself. You have access to him. Oh, aren't you glad you can pray to him? And he hears you. Amen. Amen. I'll go to prayer for you. We as saints will pray for one another. The Bible commands us that you pray with all prayer and supplication for all saints. We need to pray for one another. But amen. It's not my job just to go to God for you. It's my job as a preacher to teach you you can talk to him. You can have access to him. It's my job to lead you to Jesus. Amen. And you can have a relationship with him. Can you say amen? That's what this is about. When thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in where? In secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I'll give you, I was telling, uh, I was telling somebody, I, I think, I don't know, it might have been Brother Paul or somebody, I can't remember, somebody was telling my dad, my dad one time, he worked, when he worked in the mines, in the coal mines, he'd witness to people on the job. That's just what Christians do. Talk about the good things of God. The Bible says it's good tidings of good things. Good news. Look at your neighbor and say, good news. And, uh, and he, would go, he would go to work and he'd say something to a coworker, be something like this. He'd say, oh, he should have been at church last night. Crippled spine was straightened completely. He'd go another time, oh, this person was healed. Oh, I wish you were at church last night. Until those stories of the power of God caused people to become interested in what God was doing with his people. And uh, he would witness when he was standing around the fire in the job and, and uh, you know, at lunchtime, so he wasn't taken away from the work that he was supposed to be working. He witnessed when he was taking lunch with them. And one day, the man said to my dad, he said, uh, uh, Frank, he said, do you... Do you believe God can do anything? Oh, well, absolutely. My dad's like, this is it. I've been waiting on this opportunity. Can God do anything? Oh, yes, he can do it. You believe he can heal anything or anybody? Yes. He said, well, my wife has a sick cow. Would you come and pray for her cow? He thought, a cow? That's not what I wanted to hear. He said, sure. He just, inside, you know, he processed all that and inside, and he said, sure, I'll come pray for the cow. He said, my wife has a sick cow, and the doctors, the veterinarian said to kill that cow. It's got a protein sucker in its neck. It's not going to live. He said, she loves that cow. Would you come pray for that cow? 
So what did my dad do? The next day, he got up and went down to, went down to their house, and Dennis and Sherry Rapp was their name, and went to their house. When he got down there, she was a little bit grouchy to him. She said to my dad, she said, it's down over the hill. You know, those Pentecostal preachers, you know. <laughs> you know, the stereotype of Pentecostal people, you know. They shout and dance and speak in tongues. And, and uh, she was a little bit leery. My dad went over and said, all the rumors. You know, I, my dad was standing at the gas station one time. Somebody said, have you heard about that Pentecostal church down there? He said, yeah. They raised their hands in church. Somebody said, ooh. You know, they, they just couldn't believe somebody raised raise their hands in church. And, and uh, but all the things they say, because we get exuberant. That wasn't common in some congregations. But I'm going to tell you right now, if they can get excited at a Buckeye football game and to think that he just delivered me of an addiction, he delivered me of a, some broken lifestyle, he delivered me, amen, of pain and agony and washed my sins away, I think it's worth getting excited about. You ought to clap your hands and shout, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Amen. He took my sins away. He made a difference in my life. I'm not what I used to be. Somebody say amen. And he said, I went down to that cow. He said, I walked down there and they said, that big brown-eyed cow just sitting there looking at me with that protein sack under its neck dying. He said, I knelt down. He thought, man, everybody around is going to say, look at that crazy Pentecostal preacher laying hands on the cow. He said, I got out of there as fast as I could. He said, I lay hands on the cow and said, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal this cow that Sherry will believe. He said, I turned around and went back up to the gate. When I did, she said, well, you didn't pray very long, preacher. He said, it doesn't take God long to heal a cow. <laughs> the next day, he had been Christmas shopping. He pulled in, getting ready to get ready for work. When he pulls in, Dennis is sitting in the driveway in his Jeep and he says to my dad, where have you been? He said, I've been trying to find you all day. He said, I've been Christmas shopping. He said, Sherry woke up this morning and that protein, protein sack on that cow was gone. And she called the vet and said, what do you want me to do? The protein sack is gone. He said, I told you to kill that cow. You know what? That stirred faith in Sherry and Dennis and they came to the Lord and their two children gave their life to the Lord. It's a powerful thing because they realize God cares about the things in my life. It doesn't matter what you need. There's a God that can answer. He's a God that cares. He's a God that cares about you. How many believe he cares about you? He cares about me. He cares about you. I was, I was told from a child that when you pray, God hears you call on the name of the Lord and God hears and what's important to a kid sometimes is not important to an adult. That's just the truth. I'll, I'll never forget my dog being hit by a car going 60 miles an hour. And uh, I was trained in church that if you call on the Lord, the Lord hears you. God hears you. That's, that is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Little sheep. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what I was taught. Even you're, there, There's no age barrier on God listening to you. You don't have to be in church six months and God say, okay, you've proven yourself now. Now you can talk to me. That's not in the Bible. Oh, no. We just got to have faith. Faith that he can hear me. And my dog, I was, y'all know what night crawlers are in Ohio? Boy, you're getting a West Virginia mountain message tonight. Cows and dogs and night crawlers. And I was, we were going to go fishing. And we were just catching night crawlers. And there was a car speeding in that little community. And, uh, in a 30 mile per hour, maybe 35, car comes speeding through there and this car hit my dog and wrecked into a house. And uh, uh, my dog is yelping and 
spinning, been hit by that car. I'm just eight years, I'm probably eight or nine years old. I went to get that little dog. His name was Tiger. And I went to get my dog. When he did, he latched up and bit me on the back of the leg. Never bit anybody except that moment and ran up into the house. I could hear him whimpering in the night. I learned that my dog would sleep under my bedroom. I learned that night. I didn't know that until then. He was my dog. He crawled up under my bedroom, and I could hear him under the vent. Whimpering through the night. I'd been hit by a car. And I prayed until about 1 o'clock in the morning. I got over that vent where I could hear him. Lord, would you touch my dog? I'm just, you know, Finn's age, Cindy. Lord, would you touch my dog? Jesus, I cried over that dog. Would you touch that dog? Oh, the next day, that dog come out of that house with a little bit of a limp. And anyhow, when he, when he was happy, it looked like he had a universal joint in his back. He just, the whole thing would wiggle and uh, wiggle. He'd come around the side of that house, and you could hear his tail hitting that side and come around the house. And God had healed my dog. And it might not mean anything to you. But I learned as a kid, he hears me when I pray. He hears me. And when I was 11 years old, almost 12, and stepped on two nails, and the doctor went into the doctor, and they, the pain was unbelievable that I had. I got blood infection. It was turning my bone block inside of my foot. I was laying in the hospital bed, and I remember my mother standing outside talking to the surgeon. And I watched my mom. They, I wish there hadn't been a window in the hospital door that day when the doctors, the surgeon, came to get her and said, we need to talk to you. They took her out, and whatever they told her, it broke her heart because I watched my mother's face go into her hands like this. And I knew it wasn't good, and she didn't tell me what they said. I found out later what they said. They said, we're not sure if we can keep his foot. When we're in there and we go in there because the infection is so severe in your son's foot that we are going to have to possibly amputate his foot. And she had to sign permission to amputate my foot when they got in there and if they could not save my foot. I had, I had my foot had frozen in a position, had frozen in a position because I could not stand on that hill and the infection had literally had eaten away at my bone. And I learned that later. And they said, if we save his foot, he's not ever going to be able to run again. It's going to be a, a, a complete sore to him. I remember laying in that bed. And I remember thinking, if he can heal my dog, surely he can heal my foot. You say, I don't understand that. Can I tell you? If his eye is on the sparrow, the song says, I know he's watching me. That's why I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. If his eye is on every sparrow, is there anybody in the building that says, I know he cares about me. I know he cares about my situation. I know he can bring me out of where I'm at. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all. We can ask or even think. And God healed me. The Bible says his eye is on the sparrow. And if his eye is on the sparrow, does he not care more about you? It neither, neither gathers, never, neither, neither plants, and neither gathers, but Lord feeds it every day. I feel like preaching to somebody, don't you ever stop praying when it looks like 
life is against you, you stand on your faith and say, Jesus, I need a miracle. Jesus, I need you to help my situation. Jesus, I am a believer and I know you're able. Somebody clap your hands and shout, the Lord is able. Come on, take five seconds to praise him. All of this building, jump to your feet, clap your hands and shout, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'll never forget my pastor coming into that room and laying hands on me. And when he said, in Jesus' name, I felt the gush of the Spirit of God move over my body, flowed all the way down to my foot, and I knew at that moment, Sister Rebecca, I was gonna be all right. And I remember when they took the cast off and what they said was gonna be a sore for the rest of my life. I put pressure on it. It didn't hurt. And every now and then, the anchor, you'll see me up here jumping up and down. You know what I'm doing? It's all right. It's all right. Come on, Cindy. They told you you'd never be able to walk on your leg again. But stand, honey. Walk just out the aisle because she had a mama and daddy when they couldn't even recognize her because the trauma to her body. They didn't even recognize her when they went in the ER. But God said, I got the last word in your life. I get the last word. And if somebody would call upon my name, I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Don't you ever get up. You call on the name of Jesus for he hears you when you pray. Somebody say amen. It sparks faith. Everybody shout, we are believers. We believe in prayer. That's right. We believe in prayer. Young boy one time holding Lakin and she was four years old and she came upstairs and she said, oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, she said. And her arm hurts. And uh, she was saying it was hurting in her elbow. And so, well, just lift your hand. What happened? She said, I fell. I fell. And uh, come find out she'd, she'd been thrown up in the air by somebody at the place where we were staying. And found out that she had a fracture in her growth plate. Uh, when we took her, had to take her to the yard. ER. She couldn't get it past here, her hand past there. Come find out there was a deferred pain that went down into her elbow, and she had broken it in the growth plate. When we called, found out what happened. This 13-year-old boy that's six-plus foot tall was thrown her up in the air, and she wiggled. And when she came down, she fell head first and landed like this and broke the arm like that. She had to go see a surgeon. And, uh, but it was on a Sunday night. Now, we were worshiping God in this house. And we were calling in the name of the Lord. And Lakin said, Daddy, I'm healed. She's four. She said, Daddy, I'm healed. I'm talking about x-rays that already shown the break in the growth plate and the way to fix it was surgery. She said, but Daddy, I'm healed. She said, I need to take my, the cast or the sling off. It was a sling that had her in. And because she couldn't even touch, she couldn't get her hand past here. When they took the sling off, she said, look, Daddy, I'm healed. Look, Daddy, I'm healed. Amen. That's a miracle. I wonder what miracle you need tonight. I wonder what's going on in your family tonight. Maybe you've been estranged from your family and the devil said, it'll never be fixed again. I've got a feeling, Brother Nehemiah, everything's gonna be all right. When you call on the name of Jesus, he can do more in five seconds than what you could do in five years.
Somebody shout, there's power in prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why you pray. Because there's power in prayer. Praise God. And I've learned, you may be seated, I've learned that sometimes God will allow you. Growing up in the church or maybe just getting in the church, you will learn that God, there's things that happen in your life that maybe God answers that later you look and say, God could do this. King David, when he was facing a Goliath, he went with confidence. And this is what he said. He told Saul the king, he said, oh, this isn't the first battle I've been in. The Lord allowed me to kill a lion with my hands. And I've killed a bear with my hands. He's just a lad, just a young man. And he said, this uncircumcised Philistine's no greater. And I think sometimes we categorize. But I believe sometimes it's like stepping stone. If he did this, then he can also do this. And if he can heal my dog, he can heal my foot. He can heal my foot, he can heal my daughter. He can heal my daughter, he can heal an entire congregation on a Sunday night of every disease that they have. I, I was going to talk about fasting tonight, but I just can't seem to get there. I feel like right now I just feel to talk about faith and prayer. And that's what he was saying. When you give, give in secret. But when you pray, there's some things you can go to the prayer room about and just pray about, and God hears you when you're praying. What are you going to the prayer closet for? Because it's about me and God. It's not about me being heard or seen by anybody. I'm not praying to impress you. I'm going in there, and you know what? What you hear me preach, how I preach, that's how I pray. I don't pray in my preaching voice. I preach in my praying voice. Now go to the Lord in prayer. And maybe it's Brother Nehemiah, Brother Tyler, something, whatever. And I'm just praying, oh God, I pray today that you would do a work. You'd work in the families and work in their lives and do something in their spirit. Oh God, I pray for this situation and I know the crisis they have and the surgery that's up and this is going on and the family that they're going through. Oh God, I pray that you would do a work. And there's sometimes when you are in prayer in the secret place, he said, when he hears you secretly, he will reward you openly. That's right. And uh, when you are praying in the prayer closet, you're not just standing before an idol. I had friends in school that worship, they were, Hin- they were Hindus and they prayed to an elephant ear God that represented 32 million gods and they would pray, but they told me they'd never seen a miracle, never heard from God, never seen God do anything. They were just religious. And uh, it's not like that for us. When we go to the Lord in prayer, we feel him and hear him. Amen. I watched this gentleman. When he came up out of the water of baptism, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're so glad, Jim, you're here. God filled him with his spirit. Guarantee you walked out of here. I didn't get to talk to you, but I guarantee you said, I feel better. I felt something. Amen. Because God, the real true God, will respond to people that believe in him. And when you say, Jesus, he comes to you. You're not too little. You're not too far gone. But when you say, Jesus, he'll come right where you are. Somebody say amen. Oh, I feel like preaching on a Wednesday. Can I preach for a few minutes? You're not too small for him. You're not too low for him. He's great and greatly to be praised. Aren't you glad he's here? Clap your hands and praise him with everything you've got. When you pray, everybody say when you pray. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard through much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Everybody say thy kingdom come. He's teaching them to pray. 
thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And prayer is powerful when it's done daily. Everybody say daily prayer. Amen. Aren't you glad? You know, treat prayer the same way you would eating. Don't just pray on Sundays. Right? Read your Bible every day. Daily. Daily bread. How many of you eat every day? The ones that don't are grouchy. Daily prayer. Daily prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, I'm wrong and others have done wrong. And if you forgive me, I can forgive them. Lead us not to temptation. God, please lead me not to temptation. Protect me from being tempted. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He goes on and says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Uh, are you all with me tonight? For if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, and, the, and, the, and the reason he's saying this is because you can't truly have a relationship with God and have ought in your heart toward anyone. You can have moments, but you won't have relationship. It has to be a clear slate. If you can forgive me of everything I've done, then I'm going to forgive everybody, everybody of everything they've done. It will hinder your prayers. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. Can you picture that? That they may appear unto men to fast. What they're saying is, is they make their sad faces look real droopy and sad. And um, so sad that somebody comes up and says, there's something wrong with you. I didn't want to tell you. But it's my seventh day of consecration. Haven't eaten anything. I wasn't going to tell anyone, but since you asked, you know, they rub their faces until it's red and, you know, make it look real bad and don't wash their hair. And uh, he says, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. You're not supposed to fast to tell people, I've fasted for 30 days. Um, it's not what it's about. And I end on fasting tonight because I feel like we need to understand the significance of fasting. Uh, there's a difference between fasting and dieting. Did you hear me? If you go on a diet and uh, you say, well, the Lord's going to reward me because I'm trying to lose weight, the intent is so different. One's to build your confidence in your flesh, and the other, which is fasting, is build your confidence in the spirit. You can go on a diet, and that doesn't mean it's a fast. When you're on a fast, it's intentional. You have purpose in fast. It's, 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 a, it's like dating to a relationship. It's fasting to God. And what I'm saying is that you're being intentional about being spiritual, uh, eternal. And uh, he said, when you fast, fast means doing without food, doing without things, and, and how long should you fast? How long should you fast? Uh, anybody want to answer? No, I'm teasing. Right? How long should you fast? I've got friends that have fasted 40 days with no food. That's a long time. Jesus fasted 40 days, uh, no food. Moses fasted 40 days. I've got friends that have fasted 30 days, some 26 days, 21 days. 10 days, 7 days, 3 days, and I've seen those that fasted 15 minutes and thought they did God a service. And they happen to live in my house. They're called children. 
Amen. Um, I remember one time I said, I said, sorry, what are you going to fast on this fast? He said, I, I'm going to fast, uh, Pop. Uh, I said, he said, no, 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 no. He said, you know, I'm just going to fast water. Boy. Another time I said, what are you going to fast? I think it was spinach. Spinach or broccoli, you know. Well, you know, the, you're going to move heaven with that, son. I mean, that's getting God's attention right there. And, um, but, but, you know, fasting means doing without. And what's the goal of fasting? Everybody say fasting. Fasting is very powerful on every level. Because fasting, fasting allows you to become a part of one of the lost doctrines of Christianity. Let me put it this way. One of the greatest doctrines of Christianity is self-denial. We're going to talk a lot about that. You know, we've turned Christianity to a, you know, a, a prosperity, and I'm not against that, but against what's God going to do for me instead of I've got to decrease. You see, fasting, when you go on a fast, what you are doing is telling yourself no. That's why you need to tell your kids no, because if you don't tell them no now, you're going to have problems later. If they can't be taught to be told no. And fasting is a self-discipline that says, you know, I think somebody told my wife one time, they said, I can't fast. Well, why? They said, because I get sick when I fast. Well, welcome to the real world of everybody else in the church. You know, you get fast, your body's going to throw a fit. Go without caffeine. Headache. You know what your body's saying? Get me what I want. Can I get a witness? Huh? How many of you got, how many of you are grouchy when you don't have your caffeine? And you don't get your Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi, whatever it is. Mountain Dew or energy drinks, whatever it is. But you have. But, and uh, I remember one time I was on a fast and was going, we did a Daniel's fast. And Daniel's fast is where you cut out specific types of food and uh, different types of food. So you go so many days without sugar, then so many days without meat, and so many days. It's torture. Yeah, I think fasting, you know, the word, for, the word for this ought to be slow and not fast. Because I've never been on a fast that went fast. Yeah, I, I tell this. Um, one time we were on a, hey, can I get a witness? I'm being real. I mean, and uh, why do you do it? Because I've got to be able to self-deny. How many's ever been tempted before and you look back over your life and said, I should have told them no? How many's ever done something wrong? You said, you look in the mirror and said, you should have said no. Look what it's done to you. Come on, be real with me right now. I should have said no to that. You were tempted by it because your flesh is a monster. And I'll never forget on a Daniel's fast one time, we weren't eating meat, we weren't eating sugar, we weren't eating anything that tasted good. I'm still mad about it. And uh, I was in my office and I remember thinking there, I thought, I can picture a carrot in the refrigerator. And I said to myself, I can't wait to get home to eat that carrot. Listen, and on the way home, I thought, you're in bad shape if you're looking forward to eating a carrot. Why in the world would you fast? It's, it's, sure, it's to get heaven's attention. It's, it's truthfully the matter is to get my own attention. Because our attention's focused on everything temporal and everything carnal and everything wrong. More concerned about Hollywood, more concerned about entertainment, what I can get, what's going to happen to me, my future, and all of this, and not even concerned about what God wants and what happens. And fasting is when you are fasting, you are dying. You are dying. The goal of fasting is dying. 
Because you are telling your will. God made you with a will. Your will is to sleep. Your will is to eat. Your will is to procreate. Your will is to socialize. It's true. It's true. That's what keeps humanity continuing or all of those things. It's cravings that were given to you by God. It's true. Made that way. Look at your neighbor and say, it's right. But you've got to have time in your life where you can say no to all of those things. I tell you, when, when it's 5 o'clock in the morning and the alarm goes off and it's time to pray and you say, no, I'm going back to sleep. Because love sleep, right? How many look forward to getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and praying? Not one hand went up. Not one hand went up. But those that have done this and you self-denied yourself from more sleep, you have that prayer. And all of a sudden, because you are telling yourself no to something that's causing you to continue, causing you to increase, causing you to have more, you find it opens up heaven in your life. Because like my wife said, you're pouring water on the altar. It's something that you have to have to exist to sleep. You can't live without sleep. But to deny yourself a little bit of it so you can get heaven's attention, so you learn to tell yourself no is powerful to the Lord. It's a, it's a sacrifice to God. Oh, let there be an amen in the building. He said, when you fast, wash your face, get up and put on a smile, act happier than you are. Oh, it's good to see you. Not when the saints come dragging in. No, it's, it's good to see you and you'll find that in a fast, that when you are fasting, you are, you are dying. Let me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I have been many times in hospitals and with saints and I've learned that if somebody has a sick sickness, maybe in their older age and a condition and they no longer have an appetite, they're dying. When they tell me and I go in that hospital, maybe it's hospice or hospital and I get in there and they have no appetite, I know at that moment they're dying because in a person that is alive, they are craving food. That's why all of you are so existing right now. You're alive in this room because right now you're thinking about more than carrots while I'm preaching. Yeah, oh, Lakin made chocolate chip cookies, half chocolate chip cookies and brownies tonight. I'm going to have a heyday when I get home, praise God, because I am alive forevermore. Amen. I'm craving it. But what I'm telling you is when you are dying, when you say no to yourself, what happens is your body, you're, you're telling yourself, you're not going to live. You're not living. You're not living this way. You're not living this way. I'm telling you, no, no flesh. You're not doing this. You're not going to be tempted by that anymore. I'm telling you, no. And fasting causes you to decrease in what you want. And all of a sudden, it opens up a picture to where you can see what God wants in your life. And you get a confidence that will override every insecurity of your flesh. I'm preaching to somebody right now, the insecurities of how you were raised, beat down, pushed down, told you never amount to anything. But when you can deny yourself of all of those things that have fed your insecurities, all of a sudden God starts speaking through your life and say, you're my child. I've got great things for you. You'll start having confidence and power. Come on, let's jump to our feet tonight. God gives you confidence through prayer. God gives you confidence through fasting. You start realizing I can conquer the world because I am somebody in God. Amen. Somebody say fasting. So what happens is, it's good. 
I've, I've had friends, I've told you, remain standing and have fasted 40 days. But they've told me, they said, nothing is more valuable. They said, do a 40-day fast. They said, it's a fast for a lifetime. One of those sets you up for a life. It's, but you can't do a 40-day fast all the time. They said, but what you get spiritually. How many know that fasting brings spiritual benefits? It does. Whether that's, and I recommend once a week, 24 hours without food. And on those, I've experienced that 24 hours without food is, if you work up to that, if you've never done that, it's actually easier for me to not even have water. And the reason is because water sometimes makes my stomach feel a little sour if I've went that long without food. You have medications, all that, you've got you to work that. You know, I, I've, I've known people that they feel like God was going to send them to hell if they ate a cert on that 24 hours. And uh, I don't think that's how it works. But I think that you make covenants with God and vows to God. And why are we doing this? Because of self-denial is an apost apostolic, very biblical, the apostles did. It's what apostolic means is after the apostles' doctrine, they're teaching the way of life and uh, fasting and self-denial. How many know we all need to tell ourselves no? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a monster. Better be careful. Amen. I look back and somebody slapped the other one right across the face. I said, don't you ever say that to me. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. How many know that in us is no good thing? Fed by those pleasures of life. And I don't want to be a pleasure seeker. But I want to seek God. There's, they all, the old timers will sing a song, something like this. It says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory, full of glory, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The half has never yet been told. You go on a fast. I went on extended fast. And while I'm on that fast, become very weak. The revelation, Brother Tyler, of fasting is understanding what it does to us. I'm not just doing it because the church is going on fast. And I hear somebody saying, but it's the holidays. Yeah, and then January's a new year. February's Valentine's month. <laughs> you know how it is. Oh, it's summer vacation time. That's five months of the year for everybody nowadays, you know. And uh, never a good time. But when God, I'm not calling you on a fast tonight. I'm just teaching you because the Lord's going to call you on it. And I've learned, that the, I've learned the revelation of fasting, to understand it. I've never had a better understanding than fasting. That's when I'm decreasing. So he can increase in my life. Jesus shows up in Luke 2 and it's Christmas month and he shows up in, in the womb of Mary. And they go to the inn, Sister Annie, Sister Twyla. They go to the inn and the Bible says there was no room for him. I'm convinced God comes to some people, but they're full of themselves. No hunger for the things of God. They're already full. I promise you. That fasting will make you hungry. It will. Can I tell you something else? He who does not fast is not hungry. Not hungry for God to do anything more. Not hungry for God to change somebody's life. Not hungry for God to change a city. Not hungry for God to take change a situation. But fasting is a product of somebody being hungry for more of God. Less of me. More of you. 
less of me, more of you. I want to be so decreased that I'm not practical, but I'm spiritual. And when somebody comes in and they've got a crisis in their life, and I have such faith because I can see the eternal things, they can say, you know God can fix this and speak a word that's very clear. I've seen so many miracles in my life right here in this building. Tiana, I've seen miracles. There was a man right there that died and was resurrected. Died dead for a long time. Medical team came and checked him and he was gone. Church kept praying. After however many minutes, came back to life. Crooksville Church, a lady died in the church. Heart attack. Heart attack. They came and got her. I think it was like 45 minutes later, the church kept praying. And the medic knows the people in the church and called and said, on the way, she came alive. Because there's power in prayer. No side effects. Healed. That's the thing about believers. We don't give up on people. We don't give up. They can fall seven times and we believe they can get up and be just and righteous and better than ever. Amen. We don't give up on people. How? Because we look through the eyes of Jesus. You can't do that if you're full of yourself and everything's about you. No, I'm going to push back. I'll stop and fast a few days and listen to the Word and get His Word in me. It'll cause you to see what God sees. How many want to see what the Lord sees? Everybody say, when you fast. And uh, he, he says, I've noticed every time I fast, I end up in a prayer closet. Does that make sense? Fasting will put you alone with God. If you're here tonight and you say, but I just cannot seem to get my life of prayer going, my prayer life going, my personal time alone with God, go on a fast and I promise you, because you're a believer, you feel with the Holy Ghost and uh, you're going to find yourself right back where you're supposed to be in prayer. You'll find yourself emotionally before God, weeping before God. I've seen saints go through things in their life and they lose that tenderness the Lord. I preached about a Sunday. But if fasting will make you tender, it'll make you sensitive to the things of God. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help you tonight? of God we call it faith faith is the eyes of God how many believe that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen can't see it in the flesh somehow 
You start seeing the way God sees and feeling about things the way God does. And that's why when a church starts fasting and praying, people are always saved. People come and are baptized. Called a prayer meeting in December. Talked about sacrifice. And then one week we've seen 10 people baptized in Jesus' name. It's amazing. Amen. And there's many more going to be baptized in Jesus' name. How many believe that? But fasting causes you to have faith. Lack of fasting, you'll become carnal. Saying, I don't know if this is going to happen. Be all logical. Listen, five loaves and two fishes cannot feed 5,000 until Jesus touches it. But when he gets involved, anything can happen. Fasting starts saying he can do anything. I wonder how many in this room need something from the Lord tonight that's beyond logic. Uh, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's family. How many need something from the Lord tonight? If you need something, run up here. Come on. Run up here. Power in the altar. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Fast and pray until you see it. I want you to come up here asking God. I want you to come up here believing for the Lord. God, I trust you in this. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.